Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbert. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events around the Endless Mountains. Well, with spring right around the corner and I think there's probably some potential for landowners to be working around their property this spring. We wanted to discuss some permits related to working around the water. When you do and when you don't need a permit, and some other requirements associated with permitting or waivers. So before we go into all that, there's a couple terms we want to go over. Uh, one would be water obstructions, another one would be encroachments, third one would be waivers. So let's start with water obstructions. What in the world are we talking about when we say water obstruction? So a water obstruction is basically any structure that's located in or along or across a waterway. Um, so these are your dikes, bridges, culverts, um, walls, wing walls on cross pipes, um, any type of fill, wharfs, embankments, that type of thing. Um, so really, like I said, anything that's located in or across a waterway would be considered an obstruction. Okay, so maybe somebody wanted to put a berm right against the creek, they're experiencing flooding, that type of thing. You know, they, they say, oh, if we just put this nice dirt berm here and plant grass on it, it'll keep the flood waters down. That would be a water obstruction? Yep. Yeah, so anything within 50 feet of that waterway is going to be considered an obstruction and would therefore require a permit. Okay. The next term I wanted to talk about was encroachment. So this is any structure activity that changes, expands, or diminishes the water course the current or cross-section of the water course, or a floodway or body of water. So examples like this is excavating in or along a stream, um, any type of fill material that may be dumped, or structures in the stream um, or in the floodway. I guess I'll use that same example, right? So if um, I want to keep that flood water down and put the berm there, I'm also encroaching on the stream, I guess. Correct. So if I don't have a permit, um, I'm in violation. Yes. So do you want to talk a little bit about waivers and points when you wouldn't need a permit for these type of activities? Yeah, so there's certain requirements that really they can be waived. Um, however, um, a lot of activities or structures are still regulated. So these same activities or structures may require a permit. Um, if the department finds the activity or structure to have significant effect upon the safety or protection of life, health, the property, or the environment. So to boil that all down, there's some conditions related to permits and waivers, and um, it's very intricate. So it's best if you just call the conservation district and say, hey, I'm looking to do this. We can say, well, that needs a permit, or actually that activity can be waived. Um, so we can help you through that process. So definitely call the conservation district first before working around any type of water. Yep. And I think next we just kind of wanted to talk about some of our more popular permits as we move into the construction season. So the first one I wanted to hit on was our GP3 and that's for bank rehabilitation, bank protection, and gravel bar removal. So it authorizes the installation, operation, and modification um, of these type of projects and it also authorizes the removal of gravel bars that are less than 500 linear feet in length um, in or along regulated waterways. Yeah, you know, so we've experienced a lot of gravel bars in the last couple of years. I think after the 2018 floods, 
a lot of people experienced damage to their property, erosion, uh, and that sent a lot of gravel bars downstream. So if you live next to a waterway, chances are you have a gravel bar near your property. If you're not familiar with that term, um, those are just those alluvial deposits in your stream channels. So it's just accumulations of gravel, glacial till, sediment, um, silt, flood debris that build up, um, obstruct the stream channel and end up redirecting the flow in a new direction. Yeah, so in order to remove those, you need that GP3 permit. Um, one exclusion is if there's just debris, let's say trees down in the creek, across the creek, the, uh, you can take your machinery up to the edge of the stream, uh, keep it on dry ground, and you can winch those trees, you can cut them with a chainsaw, winch them out, uh, drag them away with a chain. Um, you can't go into the stream, but you can stay on the banks and you can pull that debris out. And that doesn't need a permit. Yep. And another common problem we're seeing in the county is a lot of stream bank erosion. So riprap's commonly used, um, that's that large stone in random sizes that's kind of used to protect the stream banks and prevent, and prevent further scour. Um, you also need a GP3 permit to place riprap on your banks. Yeah, we've seen that one a lot too. Um, you know, as a stream snakes its way down, um, you tend to get on the corners that erosion, and a lot of times it comes close to a, a road or the edge of somebody's property, um, so on and so forth. Uh, so people want to protect that area from further erosion. So that's a good way to do it, installing riprap. All right, so the next one we want to talk about is the GP6, and that's agricultural crossing and ramps. Uh, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this one, um, but if you want to get your uh, livestock across the stream uh, in a environmentally friendly way uh, that's lowest impact possible you want to get a GP6 and um, the reason being is there's drawings associated with that um, there's stabilization in the bottom of the stream uh, to allow a lower impact um, and what it encompasses is it authorizes the installation the operation the maintenance of agricultural crossings and the ramps in regulated waters of the Commonwealth. It isn't used uh, for wetlands, just note that. And since I mentioned stream crossings, uh, you may be thinking about crossing a stream uh, with a vehicle. Uh, that's actually a GP7 or a minor road crossing. And this permit, it authorizes the construction, the operation, and even the maintenance of minor road crossings and wetlands as well. Um, there's a couple conditions associated with that. It's best, again, if you reach out to the Conservation District, we can help you through that process and understand it better. You should note, though, the construction must be completed within three years. So if you have a dream of doing it and not the money associated with that project, um, save up that money first. Uh, that way you can do it as quick as possible. Um, if you don't get it done, the structure has to be removed stream has to be restored to its former condition so please note that um, there's one more type of road crossing it's a gpa it's a temporary road crossing so this authorizes the construction operation and maintenance of a crossing for one year um, this is really common in like logging practices or construction you know where they need to cross a stream for you know, just a short amount of time 
Yeah, and that's something, if you're not sure what type of road crossing you need, you know, you can always reach out to us at the district and we can kind of help you out and guide you towards the right permit. Yeah, you mentioned logging, and for sure a lot of loggers don't even know they need this permit. Um, but, you know, again, going back to environmental impact, uh, you want to have the least amount of impact as possible. And this gives you the opportunity to do that. Um, so definitely reach out to the conservation district uh, before you put together your ENS plan for logging. And we can even pull up the maps if needed to look and see where um, a GPA is required. Uh, I did want to hit on the fact that uh, GPs or general permits will actually be going fully digital uh, online and you won't be able to do paper permits anymore. It's coming up real soon. They've been talking about a couple of different dates. I'm just going to say June 1st. Uh, it's kind of a fluid date because they're working through some final issues there. Um, but definitely paper permits are going to the wayside. Uh, not going to be able to do them anymore. So at the district, uh, we've purchased a computer uh, with plans to assist people who come in. They're specifically looking to do general permits. Um, we recommend that you work through it at home as much as you can. Uh, we understand that some people don't have computer access. So that's why we purchased the computer and we're willing to work through the permit process with you if needed. Um, there'll also be an e-permit guide. Uh, you're working on that, Courtney. Uh, so that's definitely going to be an asset to helping landowners so they understand the permit process and, and work through e-permitting. Yep, it's going to be a step-by-step -step guide that'll walk you through all of the screens to get everything uploaded and said it's currently in development but should be done by June 1st when everything goes to e-permitting. Yeah, so hopefully you understand general permits a little bit better. We just hit on a couple. There's several more um, that are needed. But as I said throughout the program, you know, if you're working around water, the best thing to do is actually call the conservation district. Reach out to us first and we can help you through the process. Say, hey, a permit's needed or no, this activity can be waived um, or this is just stream maintenance. Um, so reach out to us. We're more than happy to either talk to you over the phone. Uh, we do site visits as well if you're interested in that. So um, I think that about wraps up general permits. Yeah. Do we have a couple of events? We do. So um, as most of you probably know, opening day of trout season is right around the corner. So statewide opener is April 2nd this year. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the basics of trout fishing, the Pennsylvania Fish and Boat Commission will be hosting a virtual basics of trout fishing class on Thursday, March 31st from 6 to 7 p.m. And the program will cover trout identification, regulations, equipment, skills, fishing techniques, and even help you navigate different resources to find a spot to fish for trout near you. So to sign up, you can visit register-ed.com and type in basics of trout fishing in the search bar. All right, and at Salt Springs on Sunday, March 13th at 1 p.m., you can get your green on. You don't have to be Irish to show up for this specific event. And they wonder, can we find any green in the forest? Um, there might be a little snow on the ground, but they're gonna be looking for some plants that might stay green during the winter. So come learn about mosses, ferns, and lichens. With spring one week away and St. Patty's Day just around the corner, 
they'll be looking to see what they can find. So there is a fee, it's $5 and members are free. If you're interested in this event, check out uh, Salt Springs. They have it listed on their Facebook page. Well, I guess that does it for today's show. If you have questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570-782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and ask questions or make comments about the show. You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbert saying, enjoy the outdoors.